couple of things just to kind of explain a little bit of what's going on in case you're not aware of some of the Jewish customs of the time. Uh, first, there was this what they called a betrothal period, and it's really, it's very kind of clumsy and hard to explain, but they would have a year. This was an arranged marriage. Joseph chose her, went and kind of, for lack of a better term, cut the, cut the deal with her dad. And, um, and her, she was told by her father that she was going to be marrying Joseph, which was very, according to the customs of the time. And um, they, would, they would have this, this betrothal period for a year. And, and it's very confusing when you, depending on which book you read about it. But it basically would mean that, that you would live as husband and wife. You would stay, in most books, most, most uh, sources say that you would stay with your parents, each of you, although you'd be together during the day. But the one thing that is very clear is there would not be any, I guess the way I said it earlier, I don't want to say it again that way, but I will. Um, It's kind of like being married without any of the benefits. Um, Somebody asked me after the early service, could I talk more about those benefits? And I said, another time, okay, another time. But, um, but, I mean, there would be no, no any kind of intimacy, no sexual intimacy of any kind for that year. And then after that year, they'd, they'd get married, and they would, they would consummate the marriage. Um, so this is during that year that she's found to be pregnant. And, of course, thus the doubt and the questions that Joseph has. I mean, it's like here is his teenage um, fiancé, and she's, you know, I'm pregnant, but it was, you know, the Spirit of God. And he's like, oh... I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that. So that's why there's so much, so many things going on. Now, here's the thing. Later on, and I'm going to read it in just a minute. Later on, an angel comes to Joseph. Um, it's a good movie, by the way, and, and it's pretty accurate. Now, there's a couple little things. I, I will say this if you've seen the movie. The, I'm, not, I'm not nuts about the angel. The angel doesn't do it for me. Um, it's not how I pictured the angel, but that's just, that's just my my uh, re- critic review, critical review of the of the movie, but anyway, the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and he says, "This is real. This is true." And Mary was indeed; um, she's with child by the Holy Spirit, and she is, and she has remained a virgin. Uh, so, and and so after that, Joseph, you know takes her as his wife. Uh, there is no intimacy until until after Jesus is born. But here's the thing. Um, First, there were doubts, but then the angel of the Lord comes to Moses, or excuse me, Moses, to, to Joseph, and uh, get all those you know, names together. Uh, he comes to Joseph, and he says, um, um, this, this is real, and so forth and so on. But you know, even during that nine-month period of time, I, I don't have it in the, it's not in the Bible that I know of, but, but I'm sure there were times when Joseph had to stop and think, did I really see an angel that explained this to me, or was that just one of those nights when I forgot to take my tums before I went to bed, you know? And it, it, was it real, or was it just maybe something else? So my point is this. This really gives us a great kind of jumping-off point of this whole thing of doubts. Now, let me change, let me change that d- doubts of Joseph just for a moment, and let's talk to you. This is an awkward thing. Because there are some here uh, this morning, and this as, as there have been in every service, 
and in the back of your mind, there are those who have some questions and have some doubts. Maybe they're not in the back of your mind. I don't know about. I don't know, man. I don't. You know, I believe in God, and and I'm not sure. I, I this whole this whole virgin birth thing, Mary's the Virgin Mary, and so I'm having. I have a hard time with that, and I have some questions about that, and I have some doubts about that. There are some of you like that, so let's just be honest about that. All right. I know you're here. Okay. Hope you'll hang around. And we're glad you're here. Let's talk about that, okay? Doubts. Whether you're Joseph, whether you're you, whether, whether, whether maybe you're further along in a, a different place, maybe in your, in your journey, your spiritual journey, and maybe you have doubts about other things as it regards God. Why, why about, what about this, and what about that, and why? Do, so wherever you are on this thing, we're going to talk about doubt, because I think Joseph epitomizes it tremendously. Now, let's look into the text. Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, and uh, we're going to see this. Chapter 1, verse 18, now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged, that's that betrothal period, to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly. That's what we saw here so as to not disgrace her publicly. Um, he didn't want, he, because he was a just guy and a righteous guy, he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. By the way, you heard her mother refer to it earlier. According to Deuteronomy chapter 20, um, chapter 22 actually, um, according to the Jewish law, which they were living under at the time, a woman who became pregnant by another man other than her husband could be stoned and would be stoned to death. That way, Both are. Both the person who got pregnant and the person who got her pregnant, they would be stoned according to according to Jewish custom and law. So when her mother says you could be stoned, that's what she's talking about. She's not you could you you could be stoned to death. You could be killed for this 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 sin. That's why Joseph said he is going to keep it quiet. So that's what's going on there now. Here's what happens, and I told you about this. We didn't see this. Verse twenty. As he considered this, he fell asleep. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he, she, will, she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Here the angel quotes, it's in Matthew, but it's also quoting a passage from Isaiah in the Old Testament, a prophecy that was stated by Isaiah a few years before this, like about 600 years before this. All right? Look what he says. The prophet said this, verse 23, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. That's in Isaiah. That's in the Old Testament. You say, well, what do my friends who don't believe in the New Testament do with that? They have a hard time with it. They do all kinds of little gyrations with it. and um, Pretty hard for them um, not to find Jesus in that verse, but they do some creative uh, interpretation. Um, verse 24, when, when, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife. But she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Um, just another awkward little thing that I'll just mention here, um, because it, it's important in verse 24 and verse 25. 
Uh, there is this, this quote-unquote doctrine in some places called the perpetual virginity of Mary. And, the, uh, and the, the thought behind that is that even after she was married, long after Jesus was born, she remained a virgin. And, and part of that is because people are trying to put Mary on a different, you know, different plane than the average human being. And then, and then the truth is, I mean, that's not true. First of all, she, 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 the text is very clear. The Bible is very clear. She remained a virgin until her son was born. But the reason they try to do that is to put Mary in a different wavelength. And listen, here's the issue with Mary. Mary was, an, and we're going to talk about her in two weeks, Mary was an incredible human being, incredible woman, great woman of faith. But she was still just a human like you and like me. Okay? Jesus was 100% human. He was also 100% God. So don't confuse those two, and sometimes I think people do, uh, depending on the kind of background they have and so forth. So, and, and that makes it clear in verse 25, but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. All right, let's talk about doubts. Joseph's doubts, your doubts. By the way, interjection. Um, I interrupt myself, I do that all the time. Um, uh, what happens sometimes, just to, to take you inside my mind, which is a very scary thing, um, what happens sometimes when I have a really great quote to conclude the message, which I do today. I'm just telling you that right now. Just a great quote. I didn't write it. I just found it. Uh, but I've been aware of it for a number of years. When I have a great quote that I, I just, I'm really anxious to get to, sometimes I just kind of blow through the sermon really quick, through the message really quick to get to that. And then, you know, I end up with like, you know, maybe a 15-minute message and, and, and so forth. So, so, and then I'd said that in the, in, the, in the 10, 15 service and somebody started clapping, you know, 15 minutes. Anyway, I don't know. He, he didn't mean it, though. I know he didn't mean it. Anyway, so uh, just, just to tell you, I'm building, I'm building towards something here, and it's just outstanding, but we'll get there. Just, 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 in, just, in, just in a few, okay? So, so hang with me. Uh, but I first want to ask some questions about doubts. These are sort of kind of rhetorical questions, but I'm going to answer them, so I guess they're not really rhetorical, are they? Um, so, you, I want, they're, they're, they're to be, the purpose is to be thought-provoking questions for you to think about. Whether you doubt certain things about your faith, whether you doubt certain things about, about Christ, you know, this time of the year and you think about this whole Christmas story and say, yeah, you know, I'm not too sure. But whether you have some doubts about that, whether you have some doubts about God uh, as to why he does what he does or doesn't do what maybe you think he should do, wherever you are in that whole spectrum, maybe you don't have many doubts at all. Great. Terrific. Just hang on and enjoy the rest of this, okay? So, but, but here you go. Some, some key questions to think about, thought-provoking questions. The first one is this, can a thinking person of faith go through life without ever doubting, rethinking, or having unanswered questions? Can a thinking person of faith in Christ go through life without ever doubting, rethinking, or having unanswered questions? I think you know the answer to that, right? It's pretty obvious. Not no, but heck no, okay? Um... It's Christmas time, trying to clean up my language there a little bit. Um, but I mean, no, you can't. So let's just, let's just set the scene right now and let's just recognize we all have them in different areas depending on where we are in this whole spectrum of a faith journey. We all have them. Let's be honest about that. 
Right? Don't try to cover them up. Don't try to hide them. Don't try to say, oh, oh you know, be honest, okay? Whatever it might be. One's, one might have one question about, oh, I don't know about the virgin birth thing. I'm having issues with that. Uh, others might have something. I don't understand why, why, why God could l- allow something like a 9-11, something practical like that. I don't understand that. Wherever, you, you, we're all going to have some questions in different areas, Okay? Second question I would ask for you to think about is, is doubt the overwhelming force in your life? What does it say about you if it is? Is doubt the overwhelming force in your life? Or how about this one? Does doubt keep you from allowing your faith to be exercised? You, you, you don't allow your faith to really take action in your life because you have doubts. Okay, well, what, what, what does that say? All right, the fourth question I would ask is, has doubt, this is sort of repetitive, has doubt kept you from letting your faith grow? Grow, to, be, to, to, you know, to grow, to get, grow deeper, to become more of what I need to be, more of what God wants me to be. Has doubt kept me from letting my faith grow? Because I'm afraid of this stuff. You know, my point is obviously, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Last thing is real simple. Has doubt, has, has doubt paralyzed you? That's a really bad thing. If you've had doubts to the point, and maybe, maybe it's 50% doubt, maybe it's 51% doubt, maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a little less, but it's paralyzed you to really do anything, to go any further, just mentally, just in, just in, your, in your faith, let alone maybe in action and uh, serving and helping. Let me give you a great quote. This isn't the big one. Okay, this is this is the this is the this is the this is the triple A when the major league one's coming up in a minute. Um, this comes from a guy named Valentine Davies. He he wrote a novel, a little novel you might have heard of, called Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. And of course, that became a movie, and it's been made and remade. I think three or four times. I, I've lost track. I just we just watched the ninety four, which was the most recent one, nineteen ninety four uh, version of it. But let me tell you what he wrote in here that's just amazing. If you can't accept anything on faith, you'll live a life dominated by doubt. Now just think about that for a minute. If you can't accept anything on faith, you'll live a life dominated by doubt. Because frankly, there are some things we just can't prove. I'd like to. And there are some things that I can't prove that I know Beyond the shadow of a doubt, there are other things I'm like, oh, you know, I have a problem with that, but I still believe it. So here's what I want to do. So what do we do with our doubts? What do we do with these things? Questions. Concerns. What do we do with them? Just sort of cover over them and, you know. So, well, I don't, you know, lie about it. I don't have any doubts, you know, or, or, or and maybe you don't, and that's fine. That doesn't mean you're lying about it. Uh, that's great. But, but what do I do if I have some, whatever, some concerns, some fears? All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a passage, two very uh, excellent passage verses in the Bible, and we're going to talk about it just for a minute here. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, chapter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Watch this. Casting all your anxiety. We've got to talk about that. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All right. 
so what do I do with my, what do I do with my doubts? What do I do with my concerns, my anxieties, so to speak? Let's talk about the word anxiety. Like so many times, and you've heard me say this, so many times the, the, the English word doesn't clearly translate, in this case, the Koine Greek word. And um, uh, so let's just talk a little bit about the word that anxiety is in the original, in the original, and then, because and then, I think you'll see a couple things. It comes from a word called meramna. Right? And, and this is according to Strong's lexicon, Greek lexicon. And that is the idea of distraction, the idea of care, idea of anxiety. That's one of the interpretations. So when you say you're distracted, you're distracted from believing because of this doubt or this concern or this question. But you've got to go back a little further. You do a little etymology. The, 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 the word that that's taken from is another word, which is very similar, called meridzo. Now, let me show you what meridzo means. It means to divide, to separate into parts, to cut into pieces, to divide into parties, to be split into... Fa- you ever been split? You ever been divided mentally? Kind of torn? And you're like, well, on the one hand, I believe this. On the other hand, well, on this, and then there's this. You know, that's, that's, that's what he's talking about. That's the word he's translating, or at least one Bible translate as, as, uh, translates as anxieties. It's being torn. It's being divided. And I have faith, but I don't know about this. And I have it, but I got this question. What are you saying? Bring all that, wrap it all up together, and bring it to Jesus. You say, well, I'm not even sure about some of the things about Jesus. That's okay. Bring it to him anyway. Because, why? Because, go back to that verse. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And here's, here's, the, here's the bottom line of this thing. What this verse is saying is that your anxieties, your concerns, your doubts, your confusion, your qualms, your fears, things that will distract you or do distract you from faith, things that might even give you mental torment, bring all those to Christ because he cares for you. And it's not like Christ will love or care for you less because you have this concern. Because he knows about that anyway. It's always funny how we think we can hide things from God. You know, we do that from people. We, we can't hide from God. Can't hide our thoughts. Can't hide our questions. And that's what I love about this verse. He says, all those things together, even parts of your unbelief, bring those to Christ. So yeah, here they are, and here I am. Here I am, and this is who I am, this is what I am, this is what I got. And, and he says, bring all those to Christ because he cares for you. That's the, that's the issue here, you know? As you think about that, as you kind of dwell on that, and as you, as you think through some of that, casting all your anxieties and doubts and cares and concerns and fears, things you don't know about, you bring them to Christ. Um, that's what this verse is saying. That's what we do. That's a great time at Christmas time to stop and rethink and, and refocus on this. All right, before I show you the big, the big quote here, um, which I can't even begin to build it up enough, believe me. You think I am, but I can't even begin to build it up. I'll tell you a quick little story about an, another thing. Um, a couple years, I don't know how five years ago maybe, um, Charlene and I had the opportunity to go on a cruise. Um, and then, you know, I'm not always a big cruise kind of guy because you just eat too much and all that. But this was, this was pretty cool because you could really see stuff. You know, I'm not a big 
guy for just looking at the water. Oh, isn't that pretty? I want to see stuff, you know? And so we did the inside passage of Alaska, which was kind of cool. And we stopped in Juneau, Alaska, which is the state capital. And you can walk around it in about 15 minutes. No kidding. I mean, you know, there's water everywhere and it's cold and snowy and rainy. And they have like, you know, this was in September. I think they'd had three sunny days that year or something. But um, seriously. But anyway, um, we, and I wanted to see this church that I had read about. Ancient, because, you know, if you know your history, Alaska used to be part of Russia and so forth. And we got it, I can't remember what year, 1800s, I think. Maybe, maybe early 1900s. Anyway, so there's this Russian church. And because of my interest in Russia and my travels there and so forth, I was interested in seeing this, what used to be a Russian Orthodox church, which was now just an Orthodox church. And it really wasn't much to see, except that it was really old and it's cool looking at old stuff. And, and, and it, it was a little church that was probably less than half the size of the opera house, maybe, maybe a lot less as I recall, because we didn't know what we were getting into. We were in the crew. We had 20 or 25 of us from the cruise and we want to see this church. So we're, we're looking at this thing. And then all of a sudden, this crusty old um, cigarette-smoking, I don't know what else, a priest comes out, you know, puts out a cigarette. And, and, and uh, you could tell he wasn't very well-educated. That's okay, you know, and um, he had, this was like a second or third career or something for him, and, and, uh, and he starts, you know, wants to, wants to preach, you know, and we're thinking, oh, gosh, what do we get into here, you know, have a seat, have a seat, everybody, I'll tell you something about the church, and he, that was kind of his bait and switch, you know, he told us a little bit about the church, and then he goes into thing about Jesus, which, oh, that's okay, I can, I can deal with that. Anyway, one of the things he said was, okay, you know, some of you don't believe in Jesus, well, you, you, that's okay. You need to believe in Jesus. And even if it's not true, you need to believe in Jesus because at least you have your fire insurance, you know? Your fire insurance to keep you from going to hell, you know, and, and, and so forth. And, and I, I, I looked at Charlene. It's an interesting approach, you know? I don't, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I'm buying him. That's an interesting approach. Anyway, I appreciated his, his spirit. Let me say it that way. Because there was something that was said about 300 years ago by a guy without the fire insurance and some of the roughness and some of the crudeness in a much more sophisticated way and in a much more thought-provoking way. There was something said about 327, I think, of his years. Actually, he was born the same day I was born, 327 years before me. Uh, his name is Pascal, okay? The great math whiz, Okay? We, we share that, I guess. And um, if you know me, you know that is a lie from the pit of hell right there. But anyway, um, he, he, he was an incredible, if you know anything about Pascal, incredible um, um, mathematician, designed some things and some new things and uh, had some breakthroughs. And but he's also a great thinker and a great philosopher. Maybe you've read some of Pascal. He's got a writing called The Wager, and I'm going to read from that. It's a long thing. I'm only going to show you just a very, very short snippet from The Wager. But if you ever get a chance to read it uh, by, by Pascal, um, uh, Blaise Pascal, it is incredible. Okay, I'm going to take just a little snippet from that because I want you to see how he, he was quite a man of faith. But look what he says here. This is, this, is, this, is, this is money right here. Belief is a wise wager. Granted that faith cannot be proved. What harm will come to you if you gamble on its truth? And it proves false. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Wager then 
without hesitation that he exists. Isn't that great? I mean, that's just, that's just powerful stuff right there. I love that. That was worth coming for, wasn't it? Right there. That was worth coming for, right there. Um, and if you want that quote, I'll have it up on the blog here in, uh, by tomorrow sometime. But um, it's a, belief is a wise wager. Granted that faith cannot be proved, what harm will come to you if you gamble on its truth and it proves false? If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. I would add to that, there's so many things about the life of faith, so many qualities of life that are there that when you think about the values of being a follower of Christ, you know, things like love, forgiveness, grace, things that are very unique to Christianity. So my encouragement is you might have some questions and you might have some doubts. Maybe you don't now. Maybe you will some other time. It's, it, it, it happens that way through the seasons of life sometimes. My encouragement is, you know what? Bring those to Christ. He's big enough to handle them and care for you just as much because he loves us that much, more than we can imagine. May God give us that ability and that strength and that faith. Let's pray. Lord, Lord God, thank you for this time of the year that gives us such a great opportunity to think and rethink on these areas of what the Bible teaches about you and our faith in you. Strengthen us, engage us with our faith as we think and even maybe talk about that with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.